right. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. It's great to be worshiping here this morning. For those of you who are joining us online, we want to thank you for tuning in. If you're a guest this morning, please stop by Welcome Center. Introduce yourselves. We'd love to get to know your name and who you are. If you are joining this morning, would you please stand as you worship our great God this morning. Amen. I wonder, is he faithful? Does he see me in my trouble? Does he understand? Sometimes I question if he's able. Can he rescue? Can he save me again and again? But when I look back, can he move every mountain? Those voices try to tell me I'm forgotten and I'm falling too far from his hands. But I know what kind of God he is and I'm trusting in his promises. I'm believing and I'm singing. Yes, he can. this morning for that song of praise.
Good morning, everybody. Have a seat. It's good to see all of you. Welcome. And all of our guests, welcome. We're thrilled that you're here as well, just hanging out with us today. Please stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you, all of our guests. And all those joining us online, uh, welcome. We're thrilled that you're with us here at Crossroads, joining us online. Hey, Crossroads, if you look at your bulletin, there's a whole host of things that are coming up. Um, I'm going to share a few of these uh, announcements just to keep our Crossroads calendar fresh. Um, One is that our part two of the How to Share Your Faith workshop, uh, led by Pastor Ken, that's going to be tonight at 6 p.m. down in the canopy room. So if you came last week, make sure you come back for part two. And if you didn't get a chance to come, come on back six, or come on down 6 p.m. tonight in the canopy room. And the next weekend, we're going to be uh, dedicating our babies here at Crossroads. And so, yeah, we like that. It's, listen, we should be thankful for that. If you ain't crying, you're dying, right? And so we're thankful that we have babies and families here at Crossroads. Like, what a gift. And so what's so cool is that these families are going to be on stage, and we're going to get a chance to really come alongside these families and pray for them as they raise their kids to do what that song said, to trust in Jesus alone. And so we're going to be coming around these families next weekend. So if you would like to dedicate your your, your baby, please go online um, or grab that Connect card in front of you and say, I want to dedicate my baby and some contact, and we'll, we'll get a hold of you uh, tomorrow, and we'll make sure that that happens uh, for you and your family next weekend. And then the 15th, we're having our Operation Christmas Child Packing Party at 6.30 over in the gym. So all of our Wednesday night activities on um, the 15th will not be happening. We're going to be stopping and going over to the gym. Uh, So no men's studies, women's studies, kids' ministry, youth group. Uh, We will be all going over to the gym at 6.30. And we're going to be packing shoeboxes as a church family. So um, we're going to be having all these tables that are going to be lined in the gym and have all the items that we're going to pack uh, in these boxes, and so uh, if you would like to give uh, to to buy some of these items that we'll be packing on the 15th, you can do so by going online and just putting in the memo packing party, or there's envelopes in front of you that you can uh, you can you know uh, put and just make that note on there uh, packing party, and all the funds that come in for that will go to buying um, items because our goal is 500 boxes. Uh, but we're going to trust in God and see his and see what he has in store for us because uh, it's again it's above and above and beyond right is is what the Lord does and so we're going to do that on the 15th at 6:30 in the gym and then on the 22nd of November we're having our, our we're having our Thanksgiving Eve night of worship and communion uh, and so we're going to be having that right here in the auditorium at 7 p.m. so come on out for that and then our singles event uh, is going to be happening at Wade and Nancy Baker's uh, house and so on the 25th of, of November you can see in your bullets and there's information on that if you're interested uh, you can reach out to them and get more information but that's going to be on the 25th which is a Saturday at 6:30 at the Baker's house so a lot of things happening and then of course but at least Ernie Haas is coming up in December so make sure you get your tickets um, but I'm thankful for a full calendar I'm thankful for events that and, and different activities that have meaning and the reason why we do all these things is because we believe that Jesus Christ is, is the most important message. And so all these different events in some way, shape, or form are helping us move towards that mission to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So in your bulletin, check it out. Go on our website. You can see for more information. Also, stop by the Welcome Center if you have any questions. Um, but church, would you stand with me this morning as we continue on in worship? And we sing, we, we worship the Lord through song, we also give. 
uh, as a form of worship. So thank you for, for worshiping the Lord uh, by giving, and thank you for uh, giving online through the mail or using the offering boxes here at the church. Um, but, man, God's doing crazy things, isn't he, guys? God's moving, and we're thankful that we can be here this morning to, again, read the word together and to grow and to worship him. So let's pray and ask him to continue to help us do what that song says, to put our trust in him. Father, what a, um, what a great place to be. Uh, what, a, what a great time to be alive. We know there's so much craziness in the world, but God, you chose us to be alive during this time. And Lord, I'm sure that the, the, the Christians, the followers of your son Jesus during the seasons and, and times of life that they were alive um, faced very similar things. Um, but God, instead of turning to uh, a spirit and a heart of chaos, would we turn to you? Would we turn to you during this time um, and, and not be given over to the spirit of fear and, and chaos, but to be just just to find peace and to find clarity and to find structure and organization, God, and, and to, to find that in Christ, life change. And so, God, thank you that we're alive during this time because there's pe- there are people in our families and in our communities, our schools, Lord, all over the place that are, are, are looking all over for some sibilance of of consistency and god you, you, we have the opportunity to say hey it's christ it's jesus and so god thank you that we are alive during this time thank you lord that you've put us in the places that we're in lord to be a light because we know as your word tells us that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't comprehend it can't understand it can't overcome it that light is christ so lord thank you for allowing us to be here I pray that we would glorify you and honor you with our time together and that your word would speak to us uh, in a fresh way this morning. It's all because of Jesus. In his name, amen.
gather together and we encourage one another and look into God's Word. But before we jump into God's Word this morning, I just want to say a, a word about our birthday gift to Jesus. We have a, a fund that we've opened up. It's called the Birthday Gift to Jesus. And for those of you that are new to Crossroads, I always try to explain this because every year we ask our people to give a gift to Jesus higher than anybody else on your Christmas list. So we know that you're going to go buy Christmas gifts for your family. You're going to buy gifts for, for your kids, for your parents, for all the people in your life. And uh, we want to encourage you to, to give a gift to Jesus. And so we do that through this fund, and we give, to, we give more to Jesus than anybody else. You know, it's so easy through Christmas time to, uh, to get all things going Christmas and have all these fun parties and all that and forget about Jesus. And we say Christmas is about Jesus oh, and stink bugs. One of these days, that's a first that landed right on my face. It's like, okay. Anyhow, the uh, Christmas is all about Jesus, and um, and and so w- what happens is you go out there and you start to uh, have all these parties, and we say it's all about Jesus, and then practically we do nothing for him. Oh, we have a an hour at church on Christmas Eve. Uh, <clears throat> I want to encourage you to give more to Jesus than anybody else, and so you'll see the list coming out. Uh, that we had out there last week. We'll continue to put those out in the weeks to come here. But we're going to be giving a list out, and it shows all the missionaries. One of them on there today is one of our global partners. This is Faith Comes by Hearing, and they produce what I have in my hand here. They give this to missionaries, and they help missionaries around the world. This is called the Proclaimer. And so what they do with the Proclaimer is they come along, and this thing is actually solar-powered. And uh, what they do is they get the Bible into different languages. So they have the Bible translated into hundreds of languages. And if they know they're going to get this, for example, this, this device here is meant for up to 300 people to listen to at one time, all right? So um, they asked me, they called, and they asked me, hey, who can we help one of your missionaries with? I said, well, would you send me one for our, our, our missionary to Serbia, Jan and Anna Franca? So they sent me one. This one here has the Serbian Bible on it, and, uh, and it'll read to you. So it has a crank. You can crank the battery if, there, if you don't have enough solar, like if you lived in Pittsburgh, didn't have enough solar, right? You can crank the battery. Uh, so if it's down, you can do that. It'll, right now it's got a light indicating that it's taking the solar in. And then, uh, then you turn the thing on, and you can listen to it. And so what they do is they go into the villages. Here's a handheld one. This one is meant for a small group. So you get a few people under a tree and listen to the Bible. And that's how we're planting churches out there around the world, folks. We're sending out the Bible. God's Word is going out into every tribe and language. And so this one, I'll just let you hear this because this is wild. It needs no amplification. And I'll just turn the thing on. So you can see the idea here of, uh, of how we're getting the Bible out. And why is this so important? Because there's a literacy problem around the world. Uh, you know, in the United States, we have around the world, many people don't even know how to read and write yet. And so we've got to get the gospel. We can't take the time and wait for, for this to happen. So we're advancing the kingdom of God. And this is, I love this. So we have two missionaries. Yes, let's thank God for what he's doing. Amen. I love what's happening on our birthday gift to Jesus list. Here's faith comes by hearing. And they're handing what they can do to other missionaries. 
So it's not like, hey, we're not out on the field comp- uh, competing. We've got to go out. We have, a, we have the most important message, and God has given us this task to get it to the ends of the world. And, uh, and this will be the job of our lifetime, and so I'm thrilled to be a part of it. I want you to watch this uh, video here. It shows you a little bit about more about faith comes by hearing. On your way in, you should have received a little red card. It says Bible.is and has a, an, a QR code. You can download their app. Not only are they doing these proclaimers and getting them out for, uh, for places where, they, uh, you know, where people don't have phones, they are using cell phones, and I want you just to see the global impact that this group is having. The last people groups who have yet to hear the gospel will be the hardest to reach. To accomplish Vision 2033 and fulfill Christ's command, risks will have to be taken. Innovation must become the norm. As the world changes, so do we. We are seeing an unprecedented amount of engagement in single language Bible apps across the globe. People in regions where the need is extremely high are finding hope through targeted advertisements for audio Bible downloads. Digital engagement is the future of Bible engagement. As the body of Christ unites to complete the Great Commission, innovative tools and methods are being implemented to reach the goal. Oral Bible translation is the best way to engage quickly community. This audio Bible, it does not discriminate when it comes to education. They were able to interact with the scripture on an emotional, spiritual, and a mental level. Everybody's realizing if we don't work together, we're never going to end Bible poverty. We're never going to finish. You are chosen. We're just at a fantastic place like we've never before been in order to really make a huge impact on the Great Commission. Isn't that amazing? Crossroads, you're part of an incredibly large mission, the mission of Jesus Christ. And it's to go across the street and across the globe. So I want to encourage you. We're part of a multiplication movement. Uh, We're not just going out and adding. God is using what we're doing, and we're investing it around the globe. And they're going out, and they're training others. They're I mean, we're going to highlight a a different one each week, but I am beyond thrilled uh, about our global partners, and that's what these are. These are our global partners for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, you know, they are out there. They're getting it done, and I want to encourage us to get it done right here as well. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for how that you've put on on the hearts of uh, a ministry like the faith comes by hearing to get the word of God to people who can't even read. Lord, to get the word of God to people out around the globe so that they can hear it. Your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, Lord, I thank you for ministries like Jan and Anna Franca in Serbia 
and we will send these over to them, and they will, they will be using them in their ministry, Lord. And for ministries like Faith Comes by Hearing, just to watch this whole thing work together. Lord, we ask as we set that goal to raise $100,000 plus, Lord, you said that you could do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. So, God, we lay this goal at your feet, and I ask you, Lord, to help us as we launch out in faith and we begin to give. I pray you'll bless your people so they can in turn bless you, Lord. And uh, we will give you the honor and the glory. God, this is all for you. This is all for reaching the world for you, that they may know your glory, that they may become worshipers of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was reading a story about a, a preacher, and a preacher was out, and he was working in his backyard, and he was building a trellis. For, the, for his wife so all these flowers could grow all over this trellis. And a little little neighborhood boy come over and said, hey, can I watch? And so the preacher's like, yeah, sure, you can watch. And so he's, he's sitting there and he's watching and he's watching. Pretty soon he comes over and gives him a hammer and says, well, would you like to try it? Would you like to do something? He goes, no, I'm fine, just watching. And the preacher kept working another hour. He comes back over and says, are you sure you don't want to do something? He goes, well, I'm just watching. He says, well, what are you watching? He says, I'm watching, and I wanted to know, what does a preacher say when he hits his thumb off with a hammer? Now, I don't know what a preacher would say whenever he hits his thumb with a hammer, would I, right? And, uh, and so here's the deal. That little boy is watching that pastor, and he says, man, I want to see if he's real. I want to see what's so different about him. And, folks, you know, that's what the world is doing to every one of us. The world has got you on a stage, and they're watching to see how you'll perform. They're watching to see how you respond. And that's why Peter took us through the journey. We've been going through First Peter. Peter talked about how to get along with your boss, how to get along with the government, how to get along with your husband and wife. And so God placed all these things there, and he says, look, I want, you to, I want you to live this way to honor and glorify God. And as you do, the world around you is watching. And as we live this, Peter's given us this, these, uh, these words there, and he tells us that we need to not only live this way, but to also understand that as you live, you're going to make an impact. And typically, there's a lot of good impact. You know, he taught us, last week we looked at how to be tenderhearted, how to be unified, how to be non-retaliatory, how to be a person that whenever you're cursed, you bless back. And we looked at that last week. We looked at how the God blesses when we bless others. So when we come and somebody curses you and you bless them, that's when God blesses. And there's a deeper principle there even. When you bless, God blesses you. Like, like this is not health and wealthness. You know, I mean, you can get out there. There's, there's a health and wealth prosperity gospel. I'm not saying, hey, there's a magic genie. You come in, you give $100, you'll get 200 That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you do what God's called you to do, and you bless other people. God has got everything covered, and he's taking care of you. And that's what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that he blesses us when we bless those who persecute us. This is powerful, powerful stuff. However, Peter goes on and he takes the next step here, and he tells them that that's not the only thing that will happen to them. Yes, you will, you will do some really good, but there will still be persecution. I'm reminded today of another, another story from the field. This is one of our global partners out there, and, and, uh, and I'm going to change the names to protect the, uh, to protect the innocent, to protect these people because of extreme security. 
But in a part of South Asia filled with natural beauty, there was a man named John, we'll call him, and he was filled with hate. John grew up in a Hindu household, which led him to become a devoutly religious man in his adult years. John went out of his way every day to threaten and verbally abuse Christian believers. It was almost as if he saw it as his purpose. However, there was one believer that John's insults were not going to affect. It was a local representative for the mission that we support there, the Timothy Initiative. It was a leader uh, by, by the name, we're going to call him George. George had an encounter with John. George shared his personal story of transformation. He spoke of Christ's love and sacrifice. He took the time to tell John about Jesus from the Word of God. After learning the truth of who Jesus is, John was moved to tears and surrendered his life to Jesus. As a Christian now, John now receives the same kind of persecution that he was previously committing. He is hated by much of his family and his neighbors, and despite the persecution, he keeps spreading the word of God, and he takes the good news of Jesus everywhere he goes. Folks, even though we take the principles that we saw from, from Peter here, tender-hearted, loving, hard worker, good family, like if you take all these things and take this whole passage into context, all those, Peter is going to tell us, but you're still going to be persecuted. First Peter chapter 3, For whoever desires to love life and sees good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Remember, he's going back and he's quoting Psalm 34 here. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? And so as he throws this rhetorical question out there, if you live the way that I just described, if you live, remember God's eyes on you, if you live well before your boss and you live well in your family, well before the government, and you're not out there offending people by, by, by just being a good person, even if you just go out and do all that, he says, who is going to bother you? Who is going to bother you for being good, for doing good? Listen, many Christians through the years have gotten persecuted um, for doing good because it's in the name of Jesus. There are others that have used the Jesus card, I'll call it. They'll do something really stupid. I'll say he didn't pay the he didn't pay the price. I remember years ago I had a friend that told me this. Oh man, I paid the price of persecution. They, They persecuted me in my job just because I'm a Christian. And no, they persecuted him because he didn't show up on time. He came in late and he was a poor, sloppy worker. That's why they persecuted him. And so that was not what he wasn't doing good. He says, look, if you do good, if you do, if you, if you, if you keep going and you're zealous for what is good, who can, who can harm you? Who's coming after you? You know, Christians have went in and have, have had notorious impact on the culture. Before Christianity, there were no human rights, man. You look at the, look at the Roman government. They had, the rights that they gave to women were zilch. There was nothing. They were, they were owned by their husbands. They were owned by their fathers. They were owned by the men. It was a hideous sight. And then when Jesus comes along and the gospel 
takes root into a culture, it began to change. And the human rights and the women's rights have changed because of Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. Amen? God values every human being, not just men, not just women. He values every human being. Hospitals and education, man, Christians came in, missions went out, and they would go in, they would take in, they wouldn't just come and preach the gospel to you, they would come and they would give you gifts. They would give the gift of education, they would give the gift of a hospital. I've been to Ecuador, I've been to many places overseas, and I'll hear, yes, this was started by the missionaries 50 years ago. Over here 60 years ago, the missionaries came in this hospital here. It's the best hospital in Ecuador. It was started by the American missionaries that came down there. Not because they were American, but because they were bringing in Jesus Christ. And what did they do? They didn't come and say, hey, we can just preach. They went in and they had to help a culture that was far from God and had no education, had no help. And so they went in there and they brought the good news of Jesus. And they said, hey, while you're sick, let's come over here. And it brought people upon people upon people to Jesus Christ. Education, sadly, education. So many schools in our country, like Harvard, were founded on Christian principles and have walked away from it. That makes me so mad, doesn't you? Listen, these institutions are out there today, and and, uh, many of them have had a foundation of Jesus Christ. But for years, you look at it, it was the Christians that started Harvard. The Christians came in and said, man, why? Because we've got to teach the truth. There's an objective truth. You know, today we're living in a world where people say, well, you have your truth and I'll have my truth. What in the world is that? We don't say that when you get on an airplane. Imagine if the pilot said, well, I have my truth today. I'm going to fly it however I think. I'm going to go wherever I want. No, listen, we we have to have, there's truth, and that's what happened. Uh, Missionaries went in, and they started these, these places. Child labor laws. Slavery was eradicated in England because of Christians. Christians came in and changed um, child labor laws. I mean, so you see the impact that Christians have over and over and over. The uh, the, The Lord, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he listens to our prayer. But there's still going to be persecution. Even though we come in and we bear all these good gifts, even though we bear the, the, the impact. And listen, this country alone here in the United States of America was founded on the principles of Jesus Christ. And it breaks my heart to watch our country taking Jesus out of the public square. Taking Jesus out of the reason that we make decisions in our land. Folks, if we don't have Jesus, we have no foundation. If we don't have God, there is no foundation. If you take God out of the, out of the foundation of this country, all right, what value is there to life now? God's the one who brought that value. God's the one who says, thou shalt not kill. Now, look what it's going to do to cultures. I'm sorry, that's not the sermon today. Forgive me. 1 Peter 3.14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake. He knows you're suffering for righteousness' sake. These were the Jews of the diaspora, the new Jews that became followers of Christ. So this was the new movement, Christianity. They're fleeing from Nero's hand. He says, even if you should suffer, you've gone out and you've done it all right, and you should suffer. If you should suffer, you will be blessed. And this is the first of five responses that he gives us to persecution. I want to give you five responses today in this passage that, Jesus, that, that Peter has given us here 
um, that will help you. How do I respond to the culture? How do I respond to the world in which I'm living and the persecution that we as Christians will undergo? Right now, we're not experiencing the, uh, the, the persecution in America like I read from the Timothy Initiative story. But we are experiencing it in different ways. And it's happening, and it's happening more and more. But I want you to catch this. When you are persecuted, whenever you are treated unfairly, when you are been mistreated, the first thing you've got to do, and he says it right there, is to remember that you are blessed. Remember that you are blessed. When we experience unfair treatment, we ask why. We go, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? That's what I always come to. That's what most people come to. What have I done wrong? Well, Peter takes an approach similar to what uh, what James said in James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, count it all joy, my brothers. All right? James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Let's read it together. Count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds. You see, there's one way you can look at the trials and one way you can look at the opposition and the persecution and say, what did I do wrong? What's wrong with me? Maybe I'm out of God's will. Or you can just realize that that trial means that you are in God's will. How can we be blessed? Because God is strengthening us. That's how you're blessed. How is it that when I have a trial, I'm blessed? Because first of all, there's two ways. First of all, you're being strengthened by God. God puts a trial in your life. He allows a trial to come, whether it's persecution or something else that you're dealing with in your life, and he uses it to strengthen us. He promises to strengthen us. Continue to read on in James chapter 1. You'll see that he strengthens us. Uh, We are blessed because we can look forward to such a great reward. We have a future hope. So listen, not only does he strengthen us, but we have a future reward. Our reward is in heaven. Man, this is not the end. Can you imagine if this were all you lived for? Oh, yeah, that's not the end. That's the beginning. And so what we're called to do is is to take this life and to be good stewards with it and to impact this world and to know that you have a living hope. The living hope is Jesus. And that living hope is Christ in you. And so as you look towards the future, the future is much brighter than your problem today. The future is bigger than, hey, what's my job situation now? Or what's my family situation? Or what's this situation or that situation? So as you're looking forward, you've got to look for the, for the future. That's how you're blessed. Matthew 5.10, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Secondly, I want to encourage you. Peter tells us to resist the temptation to panic and worry. Boy, this is the, the most common response when we have opposition. Whenever we hear what's happening in our world today, we go to panic and we go to worry. He says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear nor be troubled. Have no fear of them nor be troubled. Hmm. There's a reason. There is no reason to fear your enemy's methods or intimidation, or to be troubled. There's no reason to fear. Now listen, we are taught in the Scripture that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but we've never been taught to be fearful of him. Why? Because at the cross, 
Jesus conquered Satan. When he rose again from the dead, sayonara, it's over. But let me tell you, he's roaming about today, seeking whom he may devour. And one day, and it's coming, it's predicted in the Bible, he will be thrown into the lake of fire. And he'll be there forever and ever and ever. And there'll be no more roaming to bother us. Amen? Today, we've got to deal with it. We've got to deal with it. But we're not to be afraid of it. So I'm not afraid of Satan. I'm not afraid of him or his demons. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. And he rose again from the dead. And if anybody is dealing with that today, man, I want to invite you to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus will conquer anything that you have. Any demon that's haunting you. Jesus conquers. But let me tell you this there. He says we should have no fear. Now, check this out. Think about what's happening in our world right now. They're changing everything. Every decision is being made without God. And so we can go into this panic. We can go into retreat. We can go into withdrawal and have our little holy huddle on the hill and never reach out to the world. He says have no fear of them. The word fear comes from the Greek word means phobia. He says, have no phobia of them. Don't, don't be, like, panicked over this. Man, I see things on the news all the time that I'm disheartened of. I see things that I'm, I'm like, man, I can't believe that the culture we're living in is struggling with the definition of a marriage. Like, I can't believe this. But I'm not worried. And I'm not frightened. And I'm not afraid to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? And so I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid of what's happening in our culture. Don't be afraid. Listen, we're going to be out there. We're going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I am with you. He's not with you whenever you're just wanting to be all about yourself. Oh, yeah, he's always with us. But he's guaranteeing the power when you give the message of Jesus Christ out. He says, don't be troubled. You know that word troubled there means to shake up, to intimidate, to terrorize. Some translations even put the word terror in there. Uh, Here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't be terrorized. Jesus himself said this. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's the same word there. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You see, what was happening in this passage here? Verse 14, he says, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. What he was doing, Peter was drawing on the prophet Isaiah. He keeps going back to Isaiah and pulling out things from Isaiah. And Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, he talks to to this king Ahaz. He says, Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy. Nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. And so, folks, as we're looking at this, you say, oh, that's pretty powerful. Let me give you the background. This was given to a man named King Ahaz. King Ahaz, and I'll throw this map up here. King Ahaz was the king of the southern kingdom of Israel. For a while there, as you go through and you study the history of Israel, there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was known as Judah, and that was where the seat of David sat. Remember, we're going to come to Christmas time in just a few weeks, and of his throne there will be no end. That was in Judah, the, the, the seat of David, right? So the northern kingdom, they went by the name of Israel, 
In the northern kingdom, um, they made a threat on the southern kingdom. And not only did they make a threat to come and conquer the southern kingdom, they teamed up with Syria from the north to come and take out the south. And so God tells them here, do not be afraid. Don't worry about the conspiracy. Come in and realize that God is God. He says, do not be afraid. Do not say a conspiracy concerning all this. People call a conspiracy. Don't be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. And the Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. So he says, don't worry. And folks, Peter draws on that. He says to you, as you're being persecuted, remember they were persecuting Christians. This was the, the context of the letter. He says, don't you be afraid. And then Peter does the same thing as Isaiah chapter, uh, as the Isaiah chapter does. He says, "Honor Christ as Lord. Honor Jesus Christ as Lord. Look, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy." And that's point number three in your notes is to honor Christ. What he does is he draws upon the word Lord. He draws upon that because if you go back into Isaiah, uh, verse 13 there, uh, Isaiah 8, verse 13, says the Lord of hosts. And we can throw that up here. He says the Lord. Notice it's all caps, L-O-R-D. When you see that in your Bible, and it's all caps, L-O-R-D, especially in the Old Testament, it's a reference to Yahweh. It's the highest name for God. So what Peter was doing was he drew upon that, and then he comes over to the New Testament, and he says, honor Christ as Lord. He makes a direct distinction that Jesus Christ is God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Sanctify him in your hearts, is what some translations say there. Sanctify, set apart Jesus Christ. Honor Christ as holy. In other words, before you go out and face the world every day, you make sure that you are inwardly in the right spot. You honor Jesus Christ. That is, you look at Jesus Christ as your Lord for that day. You're loyal to Him, and to Him only are you loyal. Uh, you love Him. You affirm your commitment to Him. You know that you believe in Him, and you shore that up that you belong to Him and you're beloved by Him. Before you meet the unbelieving world, you Honor Christ as Lord. And so I, I, want, I want us to catch this because we've got to come and we have to kneel privately. And I have a statement we'll throw up here. The only way that you can stand publicly is because you can kneel privately. You see, before we go out to the world and, and try and fight the world, and before you go out and try and fight the devil, you've got to kneel privately. You've got to honor the Christ, at Jesus Christ as your Lord. Chuck Colson made a, made a good point in one of his books. He talked about how that 2,000 years ago in the early stages of Christianity, uh, if a church came into town and they said, well, we're worshiping Jesus, they went into the town square and said, we're worshiping Jesus, the, uh, the locals didn't have a whole lot of problem with that if they just said, we're worshiping Jesus, because everybody had their gods. The Greeks had all their all what we today know as the mythological gods, right? So they worshiped all their gods, small g. So if you wanted to worship Jesus, no problem. As long as I can worship Zeus, we're all happy. And this is the same problem in the world today. Whenever they went out in that day and they said, sorry, there's only one God, 
and it's Jesus. And Jesus is Lord, L-O-R-D. It's Yahweh. He is the only King of kings and the only Lord of lords. He calls every shot in our life. That's what God does, and he is the one who does this. And so as, as we stand up and we give that before God, we understand that we are coming, and he is the Lord of, uh, Lord of who we, who's called us to be. He's the Lord of our life. And when we go out and we are sharing this and we say that Jesus is the only way, in that day, people persecuted him. And you know what? If you go do it today, people will persecute you. People will, again, as I said earlier, they'll say, oh, I have my truth. You have your truth. You worship Jesus, I worship whatever. I go into this meditation. I do whatever. I do my thing, right? And No, Jesus says, I am God. I am Lord. And Peter draws that back. Not only do we honor Christ as Lord, so we have to do that. He calls your unforgiveness sin. And you've got to move it on. He calls your attitude. He calls your actions. And you bring it to the throne room of Christ. He takes your pride and he says you're going to become humble. And see, whenever we come to that, we come to understand that he is Lord. He is the Lord. That is what is the difference is. He is now in charge of my life. It's no longer me, but him. And then after we do that, we are ready to give a defense. Look at verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ as as the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, when we hear the word defense, I know a lot comes to your mind because we're in Pittsburgh, right? We used to be known for a team that had defense, right? The Pittsburgh Steelers, right? So um, about 15 years ago, we were really bragging about our defense, right? Those were the days. And uh, that's, he's talking about defense, but let me give you the, the way it means. It's not like go out and beat somebody up. As a matter of fact, he says do it with gentleness and respect. Many Christians forget that line there. Many Christians know be ready to give a defense. Many have forgotten the way in which we give the defense. The word defense means this. It's a Greek word, it's apologia, and it means apologetics. Now, this does not mean that I'm apologizing. I don't go up to somebody and say, you know, I'm really sorry I'm a Christian. I'm really sorry for these facts, but he's Lord. No, that's not what we're talking about. He's talking about making a defense, making the apologetics. So the apologetic means this. It means to give an account or to give a legal testimony. You are living in the courtroom of the world. You are on display every day, and people are making decisions whether they're going to follow Jesus or not based upon your life. You're the only Bible most people will ever read. Think about that. I'm the only Bible that most people will ever read. They see how I act in the store. They see how I act with my wife. They see how I treat the church, how I treat the family of God. They see how I treat people that are outside the, outside of our family here. They see our care, our concern. And then he says to give a testimony, to give this testimony, because we live in a world where we're always on the courtroom. Uh, here's what we're called to do. We're called to give a reason for the hope. Folks, let me tell you, there are reasons for the hope within us. And notice that he says, when they ask you. 
Why are they going to ask you? Because they see that you have been persecuted and you're honoring the Lord and you're not retaliating. You see, go out into the world. It's bigger, better, best. Let me stop, stomp on whoever I can to get up higher. And when you go to work and you say, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to serve. And, and they're going to come to you and say, you know what, you're the hardest worker in the company and you deserve to get that promotion and they brought in somebody else that's only been in the company for six months and it's all about who knows the boss and you should be upset over this and you're not upset. They're going to come to you and then they're going to ask you, what's so different about you? And that's when you are to give the defense for the gospel. That's when we're to come and give the legal testimony. Your actions will provoke the questions. And as you're out there, now all of a sudden we come along with the questions and we give the defense. You know, I'm so thankful for the world of apologetics that we have in modern day world today. Uh, It's just merely giving you the reason that I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, don't get too confused by the word apologetics. It's a, it's a nice word. A lot of Christians love to talk about it. But let me tell you, apologetics is merely given the legal testimony. So if somebody comes up to me and says, well, how can you believe the Bible? Let me tell you, I can spend time with you and I can give you all kind of reasons that I believe this is the word of God and the validity of it and why you should give your life to follow everything in it. Uh, and why would you follow Jesus Christ? He wants to be the Lord of your life. Why, why, don't you, why don't you just take matters in your own hand and go live the way you want to? Well, let me tell you, it's because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. And how do you know Jesus rose from the dead? Well, he was seen by more than 500 eyewitnesses. And, and, and then, listen, we're going to take, we're going to do a series coming up here in the, in the winter time. After Christmas, we're going to do a series on the reasons for our hope. And we're just going to look at it. I'm going to give you some interesting things about how the Bible, how you can trust the Bible. How do we know Jesus rose from the dead? How do we know? Yes, you know, let me tell you. And I'll just wrap it up with this because I know it's, uh, I'm going a little bit over here. We have more reasons for you to believe this book than I can give you the reasons to think that you're, if anything from Shakespeare was accurate. Like just how this has been given to us, how it's been handed to us, uh, the accuracy of the Word of God. And listen, this this book, you think of it as an ancient book, but it's alive. You see transformed lives. And so we're going to go through this, and it's going to be absolutely fascinating. But I want you to be ready, though, because God says you've got to go tomorrow morning to work. And you've got to live this way. And when they ask you, You've got to be ready to give an answer. And so I want to encourage us as believers. We're not to run from this world. We're to give the answers. You know, I taught my kids apologetics. They didn't know that they were learning apologetics. I taught them the reasons for which we believe what we believe. I didn't just teach them what we believe. I taught them why we believe this. My kids went to public school. They would, they would get into the classroom, and they would get into science. And in science, quite often, you'll hear this theory of evolution. We just don't see evolution in the Bible. We don't see it anywhere there. We see that 
This is God's word. God created the heavens and earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. So my kids were little, and I taught them early on. And uh, my daughter just brought this up to me the other day. She said, you know, as we're studying through First Peter, Dad, it just sounds like everything you taught me growing up. I said, thank you. That's the best news I've ever heard. Because I wasn't too good at it. But I gave you my all to let you know that there's nothing else that matters more than a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I said, here's what you do. This is the truth. And my kids got A's and B's in science. And they believe that Jesus created the heavens and the earth in six literal days. Can we thank God for that today, folks? Now, I, I, want, I want to give you this because, folks, you can do this. I didn't run and retreat from the world. I didn't come up here and get all nervous because my kids were being taught things that I disagreed with. And listen, we have to disagree because it is total non-truth. But I taught them how to navigate the world in which they're living based upon the truth. And folks, I want to encourage you. I know we have many parents in here. You have many different forms of education. Teach your kids how to honor Jesus Christ as Lord. Do not hand that over to the school. Do not hand it over to the church. Parents, this is your responsibility to teach your kids that Jesus Christ is Lord. The school can't do it. Christian school, private school, home school. It's you. Let me tell you how we did this in my family. I'm going to wrap up on this. I taught my kids how to honor Christ as Lord. And we did something that not everybody can do. I understand this. We drove our kids to school every day. So they got their license. And then they didn't want to be seen by me. I drove them to school every day. Either me or my wife. And we said we will pray with them on the way in the car. I understand. Morning is like torture, isn't it? We are In our house, there's no morning people that live there. So we get up in the morning, oh, we get in the car, and for the first six years, they, the school was down the street from our house. I taught them, and I said, we're going to pray in the car, because when you guys get out of this car, you're going into the mission field. Them people in that building need Jesus Christ, and I know there's a whole lot of things, but Jesus is Lord. And we taught them, and we prayed with them. For that mission as they got out of the car. As we got into middle school and high school, the trip was a little further. I had Route 43 to contend with. And I got on Route 43, and I knew as soon as I got past the toll booth, it was time to start talking about God. My kids can tell you to this day, that laid foundations in their life. And today, their arrows are pretty straight, not because of them, but because of Jesus Christ. And you know how you get the straight arrows? Is by laying that foundation. And you see, this was not something that Daddy did as a job. This was something that Daddy believed. And Daddy, they saw Daddy screw up. They saw Daddy fail. But they saw Daddy was real. And he taught them that Jesus is Lord. 
if your kids go to private school and you drop them off there, that's their mission field. If your kids are homeschooled, you go to that co-op, you take them to that co-op, that's their mission field. Like we've got to be able to listen, we've got to understand this world around us will, is not going to believe like we believe. This world does not take God and say, okay, I'm going to follow God. Give it to me. They're in starch disagreement right now. They're in disagreement on morality. They're in disagreement on truth. They're in disagreement on very existence of where we came from. And, folks, we've got to be the ones in our homes. We lay the foundation that Jesus Christ is Lord, and then we work on the answers that they can give. We'll work on the answers. Listen, you'll keep giving them the answers, but they've got to know Jesus Christ is Lord first. So whether no matter where your kids go to school, that's not the issue. It's about are you teaching your kid that Jesus Christ is Lord? And may, let me take it a step further. Is he Lord of your life? You know, the next verse says to have a good conscience. That's the fifth thing, the fifth way we react. He says to keep a good conscience. Keep a good conscience. How do we keep a good conscience? Man, oh, many people will go to that and say, well, you've got to try harder. You've got to try better. Verse 16 says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Today, Christians are being more and more challenged. The culture is pushing against everything that we know, everything that we hold value in Jesus Christ. And, and we have to stand up. We cannot just say, oh, okay. But let me tell you, we go out there and we do it with a, a gentle and quiet spirit and we have a good conscience. And let me tell you how you have a good conscience. Hebrews 9:14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will the blood of Christ purify our conscience? from dead works to serve the living God. Folks, the way you get a good conscience is not by going out and trying harder and I'm going to be a good moral person. It starts with Jesus as Lord. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you this morning to... Go out and live in this world and know that you will be persecuted. To go out, no matter where your family is at, whether you're in public school, private school, home school, all those things are good, valuable option choices. But to teach your family that Jesus is Lord and to teach your family the reasons for our hope. Man, we're not just doing this because mom said so. Your kids, don't let your kids just know the right thing. Let's teach them why it's the right thing. Let's give them the, the, the stuff that they need. And it'll take you some time. You're going to work hard, families. And maybe for you, you have to work hard. Maybe there's still some answers for you. Listen, God has the answers. Let's sit and talk, and we're going to keep, keep coming back. We're going to keep giving the answers. Because the answers are there and they're deep. But maybe today you need to come to make Jesus Christ be the Lord of your life. All you have to do is call upon Jesus Christ this morning and say something like this. Just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. 
Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And you rose again. I invite you into my life and my heart and soul right now. And for others in this place today, maybe God's speaking to you. Oh, about the apologetics. Oh, I love apologetics. I love getting into the reasons. And we're going to have lots of that coming down the pipe. But I think we forget the very first part. is to honor Him as Lord. And so I'm taking you today not to react to the culture, not to react to the world, but to honor Jesus Christ as Lord. And if He's Lord of your life, He's going to call the shots of how you react. He's going to call the shots of your emotions. He's going to call the shots of uh, forgiveness and unforgiveness and everything about you. He's going to call the shots. So my call this morning is for believers. Would you humble yourself? to the Lordship of Jesus and allow Jesus to truly call the shots in your heart and soul. And then when you go out that door, you'll be able to publicly face the opposition because you've been privately with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Dear God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for this powerful passage, Lord. God, this verse 15 is so important. We must give the reason, Lord. We must give our defense to the world. And it's so important that we learn this. But God, even more important is that Jesus is Lord. And that I am your servant. God, be with each person as we make decisions about our life. As we respond, as we teach our families, Lord, help us, God, as we raise our kids to honor and love you, as we encourage this lost world who needs Jesus, and as our neighbors, our friends, our family come and ask for the very reason for the hope, Lord, would you give us that apologetic that we may respond to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, let's stand together and be dismissed. I want to encourage you. Greet a few people around you this morning. Have a great weekend.